this morning, uh, I'm going to be doing a, uh, a one-off uh, message, sort of uh, something to kind of get us uh, tracking in the new year, a little perspective. Uh, but normally, my pattern is here at FPC in the, in the main, I'd make exceptions now and then, especially during special seasons like Advent and, and Christmas and so forth, uh, to do some topical things like I have done in this past series. Uh, and this is, very, is, not, is topical. I'm not going to be actually exegeting the, all the passages that I'm about to read. But uh, just to let you know that this also is a good segue to introduce a subject matter that's going to be very part and parcel of the next book, the ex, next expositional series that's coming up starting next week on the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Now, that is a, a very interesting book, uh, a very challenging book but a very, very uh, uh, in-the-moment book also. Speaks about very important perspectives to have in life and in the face of death. Uh, and uh, so I, th- I think there's going to be a, a good study for us. I'm looking forward to it. Pray for me as, as I try to develop that in a way that will, will be edifying uh, to you and to others. So, um, But for this week, this will kind of... Give us a little bit of a, even a, an intro to that, a little warm-up for what's coming in the weeks ahead in the new uh, expositional series. All right. Our scripture reading is this morning, first of all, from Psalm 90, verses 1 through 6, and then Ecclesiastes 8, 8, and then Romans 13, 11 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, you have been... Our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away with a flood. And they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. And then Ecclesiastes 8.8, No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. And finally in Romans Chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. Besides this you know, the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than we have first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. May God add the blessing to the reading. This is holy word. Will you bow your heads in prayer? Once again, Father, we ask that in your light, the only light by which we can see and understand truth, Lord, and apply it to our lives. We ask that you would cause your light to shine upon us today and that you would open our ears 
and our eyes to see and understand how we should then live. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Morning is wonderful. It's the only drawback is it comes at such an inconvenient time. So said Glenn Cook in his book, Sweet Silver Bells. Well, as many of you know, if you've been around a while, you know that I am not a morning person. Right, Steve? (laughs) Steve is one of those. (laughs) Some of you are are those folk. But there are some others of us that just naturally our rhythm just runs a little later in the day and on into the night. And um, maybe to give you a little sense of what I'm talking about, let's get graphic here. First of all, let's go old school. I had a coffee mug in seminary when I was taking baby Greek in the summer and studying probably anywhere somewhere 18 to 19 hours a day uh, trying to get and got getting very little sleep, but uh, I was past burning the midnight oil. I was burning the, the more like 2 and 3 a.m. oil uh, and then had to get up for the Greek class at 8 o'clock. Uh, and so, but that's the way it worked, and that's what worked best for me. And uh, I had this coffee mug that had that insignia on the side of it, exactly that image. Uh, I think I'm allergic to morning, and it's not hard to, exp- to explain uh, with getting that little sleep. Maybe it is harder to get up, but I've always been just that way. Now, that's old school. How about this one? It hurts when someone you love says mean things like, it's time to wake up. (laughs) Thanks to our little minion friend there. Uh, So some of you younger folk, you'll get that one if you didn't get the other one. The other one harkens back to the the 60s and 70s. But uh, anyway, you get the idea. That expresses uh, the sentiment of some of us here. But be that as it may, and whether you're a night owl like me, naturally, or whether you are an early riser, there is something that we are being called to today in these passages. And that is, we need to think about the calling God is giving to his people to wake up. It is time to wake up to some profound spiritual realities that should govern and guide the way we live our lives in the here of now. So we're going to do that this morning with the help of, of these perspectives and these, these uh, thoughts that are given to us from the scriptures that we read. If you got word today, just, just imagine with me for a moment. If you got word today that you only had three months left to live. Now you were going to be able to live it up until that point with vigor and health. You weren't going to be straddled with weakness and whatever, but you knew you only have three more months on this earth. How would it impact your life? How would it impact your relationships? What would you do in that time frame that you have maybe never yet done before? Would you try to fit it in? What would or should you live like if you knew for sure that your time was that short? 
You see, the question is not a question of if. It's a question of when for all of us. It's just a question of when. The Bible says the Lord has numbered our days. There's a precise number of them, folks, whether you know it or not. The only thing is he hadn't revealed his spreadsheet to you or to me to tell us what that number is. But it is finite. It is numbered. It is specific. You see, this much, I can tell you for sure, the number on your spreadsheet is one less today than it was yesterday. And so is mine. It's one less than it was a day ago. You say, what, Joe? Thanks for cheering us up on this start of a new year. Well, my friends, I am trying to give you perspective to help you really live and me live better. You see, in this closing Christmas season, we need to remember that Jesus invaded history to come and conquer death and ultimately take its sting away. And he came and bore our sin on the cross in order to give those who would believe in him eternal life. And that truth should matter now. It's yet to come, but it should matter now. But there's more icing for the cake than just that. It's, that's not the only thing. God said he not only sent his son to give us life in a future world to come, and that world is coming, as we're going to see, but he also came to give us life now, in the now. He came to give us life eternal in heaven, but also abundant life here on earth. John 10, 10. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, fully, overflowing, not a carefully portioned out, but a full life here and now. So where do we start? And what I'm suggesting today that you look at all of these verses that we read, and again, we're not pulling all the threads in any of them, but they give us some perspectives. They give us two very important perspectives that function sort of like bifocals. Now, some of us have gone, we have trifocals now. <laughs> we might have had bifocals once upon a time. Now we have trifocals. But we have lenses to see things farther away and lenses to see things much closer to us, nearer to us, to help us. And that's sort of how these passages, I believe, uh, function for us and give us perspective and help us know better how to live. Here's the first one. I believe these verses are calling us and calling God's people to live with a sense of urgency. Now, maybe the most dangerous word in the English language, or one of them certainly, is the word someday. <laughs> someday. Someday. Many of us suffer from Sunday syndrome. <laughs> someday syndrome. Uh, you know, we're going to get around to it. You know, one of those round to it's, you ever seen the punch out has, says round to it, uh, on it. In other words, we're going to eventually do it. We're going to eventually get there. Some of us are more naturally procrastinators than others, but we all have things that we know we still probably need to do, but we just haven't done it. We're going to do it someday. We're committed, 
but we just haven't done it. But the problem with someday is that it robs us of today. It robs us of what is significant in our day, this day. Let me take a moment to clarify something. I am not suggesting. Do not misread what I'm saying here when I talk about living with a sense of urgency. Don't confuse that with living faster and busier. Some of us need to get off of that treadmill. Some of us need to find ways to slow some things down. It is not becoming a, a just busier and busier for Jesus means more the kingdom is going to come. There are certain things that are accomplished with more rest and with more reflection and more focus than what is done with sheer energy. We're not talking about running harder and faster. That's not the sense of urgency that I'm referring to. Frantic does not equal urgent. Urgent. But you see, life is fragile and it's uncertain in so many ways. And it's out of your control and mine in large measure. You know, there's some things we control, yes. Or at least we think we do. We think we control a lot more than we really do. And there's some things we do have some control over. But there are many things in life we do not. And we're not going to. Try as we might. We try hard to try to get control of some of these things. Manage these things. But they are beyond us. So if the past... If you think about this, if the past is covered, our past, because we are believers in Christ, because you've come to that point in your life, you've recognized you can't save yourself, you can't be good enough, you gave it up, you gave it over to Jesus, you trusted him to be your savior and to take away your sins and enable you to stand before a holy God. If that's your future, if that's out in front of you, if that's covered by the grace of God, but what do you do now? You know your future is not in question, but what do you do? How do you live more in the now? We should live in the present because that's really the only thing that we have to live in. We can't live in the past. You remember how Scrooge said uh, in A Christmas Carol, how he said, I'll live in the past and I'll live in the present and I'll live in the future. I'll live in all three at once. Well, I mean, sentimentally, you can say that, I guess. But you really can't. You can't go back and live in the past, and you can't yet live the future. You can live in light of it, but you can't live it. Your only choice is to live and embrace today. Now, I don't mean in the, the 60s, tra-la-la-la, live for today kind of, meaning just go for what you want, live life fully, and go get what you want because this is your last go-around. Not that kind of perspective, but rather... Hey, I am alive. I have been given life. I've been given help. Help me, God, to use it. Help me to live fully in this life. And that's exactly what Jesus said he came to bring. That's what the ancient church father, Irenaeus, understood when he said the glory of God is a human being fully alive. He said what brings God glory is when one of his creatures made in his image uses all that God has given him and lives not in fear but lives boldly and graciously and largely in the world as an ambassador of Christ, as an outpost, as a point of light 
for the world's darkness. When you live that way, as, as many of those, those church fathers did, and many of them were martyred, but they lived ablaze, fully alive. You live like Martin Luther and those guys in that day lived. They weren't living small. They lived large because they knew they only had a limited time and a perspective here. We have to live in the moment, live while we're alive, because one day we will not be. So take advantage of the day. Now, what does this look like maybe practically? How do, how do, we, how do we try to do a little bit more of that? For some of us, and this wouldn't be all of us here, but for some of us, it probably means that we need to take a few more risks. We need to take more risk. You say, whoa, no, 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 Joe, we try to, we get insurance and all these kind of things to avert and, and put risk out of the equation. Well, that's good for your portfolio, yes. But I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the taking opportunities to do stuff that you know you need to do and should be doing, but you're afraid. You've been holding back. You're going to do it someday, but you're not ready to have that conversation yet. So you keep waiting. You keep waiting because you know it may not go well. So you don't want to risk it. And so you continue. For some of us, it may mean taking a step that feels very uncertain, but taking a risk, not a foolish risk, but a risk with God behind you and underneath you and saying, God, I know this is what would please you to do, but I'm afraid I help me to do this. Help me to step out. That's one way you will find your life becoming larger and more full and more abundant when you step out. But as long as we are playing cards close to our vest, holding them tight, afraid, oh, wait, I have to bury it in, the, in our, our gift in the ground because, you know, we know it God might... If you have that kind of a view of life, you're not understanding the gospel. You're not living in light of gospel reality well. Secondly, that's one of the lenses. We need to live with a sense of urgency. But secondly, we need to live with awareness or a sense of eternity. A sense of an awareness, a consciousness of the eternity. A lot of people say and, 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 and say, what good is all this pie in the sky stuff you Christians believe? You know, I just need help right now in the now. Well, that may be true. You need help in the now. But if you don't understand that what will help you in the now is understanding what is true and what is coming and what cannot be taken from you even by death itself or by sickness or by persecution. And if you hold on to that, if we lived in such times, we, are, we, we don't know this world that I'm talking about. But if we lived in a time in which we were being persecuted and there was a danger that you might leave here today and you may not make it home because you are a follower of Christ, I'm telling you that preciousness of what is coming, of the world to come, and what Christ has prepared for you, that would mean and would mean so much more to you. You would be clinging to it because it would be something you knew could not be taken from you. 
we just, we're just not in that situation. So it seems out of place. It seems that it's not in play, but it is in play. And it should always be in play for us. The perspective of eternity. What again, what Paul said there in verse 12. In that verse, in, in, ver, in chapter 13, verse 12. He said, besides the, excuse me, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. It's already the salvation in verse 11 is nearer to us now than when we first believed. He's talking about that's what keeps him going. That's what kept him living in the present because it was in light of what was still to come. Paul learned to embrace today, but he never thought of today as if it were all there is. We're a sad lot if that's all there is. And remember, Paul said that in the Corinthians. He said, look, if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the grave, then, then we're, the, we're the most pathetic lot sitting here sacrificing, giving our stuff away. You know, what in the world are we doing? Are we idiots? That's what he's saying we would be if that were not true. But because it's true, it's true, it changes everything. Because eternity is secure. Because it is looming large. And it's one day closer. It's nearer than we think. Paul is reminding us that this world as it is now is not our home and there is so much more to come. Oh, it's going to get retooled and remade and renewed one day, but it's not, we're not there yet. The Bible says for now we're pilgrims, we're wanderers, we're nomads in this present age. I love what Churchill uh, did. Many of you know, by the way, I, I haven't seen the movie, but I plan to go see it. I, I've always been, I found uh, Churchill, one of the most interesting characters and figures. Um, but uh, he's, he was, it was in his preparations for his own funeral, for his own death, he had called for there to be two trumpeters. Two, not one. Normally, if you're playing taps or something, like that, you get one, one trumpeter, okay? He wanted two. And those two had very distinct pieces they would play with very different purposes to remind everyone at that funeral of two things. The first one would play taps, a loss. A light has gone out in the world. He wanted that to be played, and rightly so. But you know what else was played by the second trumpeter? Revelry. This is not the end. You think I'm gone. You think I am no more. Oh, this body, yes. (laughs) But the essence, the soul of me. And one day even that's going to be taken care of when the grave robber comes. And brings, robs the grave of its portion that it holds. That one day, too, will be restored in the glorious resurrection of the dead. Churchill knew that. He understood that. 1 Corinthians 4.18 says, So we fix our eyes on what is seen. So we, so we are not to fix our eyes on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is temporary. For, for what is seen is temporary. And what is unseen is eternal. Do you really 
think about it that often? Do you keep it before you? Do you remember that the health you have now, the very life you have, the breath you have, it could be taken from you. But if you know that is what's still before, you will be able to face those moments differently than the world can because of that reality. Live in light of that. Are we spending all our time chasing after that which is going to wear out, go out of style, break down, collect dust, ultimately end up in a garbage heap? If we are, we're not living in light of eternity. It doesn't mean we can't enjoy the now, that we can't have some, but again, is it all about that? Is it everything about that? Or do, are we thinking about, are we investing in what is yet to come? Are we hoping, are we living our lives in light of that? Paul urges us to live with a sense of urgency and embrace today, to live in the moment as a gift from God. But he also urges us, and these texts urge us and remind us to live with a sense of eternity. Remember, this is not all that there is, and invest instead in a kingdom that is not here and that's not going to tarnish and perish, but cannot be shaken. In a kingdom that your investments, people say you can't take it with you. Oh, yes, you can. If you're investing in the right bank. If you're investing in your bank and in things here, no, you're not going to take it with you. It's all going to stay here. If you're investing in eternity, if your investments, if you're of your life, of your passion, of your gifts, of your treasure, of all of those things, time, talent, if they are invested in the kingdom of God with an interest, those things will not fade away. They will not rot and moth will not corrupt, Jesus said, or thieves be able to break in and steal, but there will be treasure in heaven You see, that's what it means to live in light of that. Think about Father Abraham. I love what Hebrews says about him. He invested in a kingdom that could not be shaken into a world that was coming that Abraham could not possibly see with his eyes, but he did see with the eyes of faith. He did. He saw it. He could visualize it. And the way that the the writer of Hebrews in 11.10 puts it, It says, for he, meaning Abraham, was looking forward to the city, to the great city of God that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He saw that city. Now, what did he see in in the moment around him? He just saw a bunch of tents. He didn't see any real city except the little nomadic uh, gathering of people he had, the tents around him. That's all he lived to see. But he knew God was preparing a better dwelling place. He knew that one day he would see it. But for then, he saw it with the eyes of faith. And it tempered and it conditioned and influenced the way he lived and what he invested in and what he did with his life in the now. As we head into the new year, folks, We need to keep both of these perspectives in mind. We need to use these bifocals that I mentioned that the the text gives us today. Use these bifocals in order to live more fully alive to the glory of God in the now. 
and in the not yet. We live in both worlds. We need to keep both of those worlds before us. That tension that is there in Scripture, but it's there to keep us on track. It's there to hedge us in, to make sure that we're walking in a way that will be a highway and that will bring fullness of life that understands both of those perspectives. But if we lose one or the other, we will not bring the glory to God that he deserves. It's time to wake up for you and me. He asked me to remind you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'll help me wake up more to the reality that I talked about today. Pray you'll help my brothers and sisters do the same. And Father, there may be some here that, that, that don't yet. This is still Greek to them. Um, but I pray you'll open their eyes and help them wake up to the reality of who you are and the gracious God that you are to receive sinners who come in acknowledging their need and their sin and your willingness through Christ to forgive them. I pray that, Lord, we will all in this year ahead, um, Father, be keep these perspectives, use these bifocals, Father, of living with a sense of urgency and eternity uh, together. And I pray that you'll help us as we go into the, to the study in, uh, in the weeks ahead in Ecclesiastes, that you'll guide us and make that profitable and teach us much, we pray. And now will you, Lord, again, reveal yourself, come and show us, uh, your, give us let us know your presence in the supper that we take together and that you have given us to remember you until you come again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.